This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, there's lots of fun happening at Right From The Deep. Indeed. First, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys, thank you. You help make this show possible. And if anyone out there wants to add their support, visit patreon.com slash rightfromthedeep. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash rightfromthedeep. And we'd appreciate it. And a special thanks to our November sponsor of the month, Christy Bass Adams. Thank you, Christy. Christy is a new sponsor for us, and we're so delighted she's joined us. She's the author of a devotional titled Learning As I Go, Big Lessons from Little People, and a middle grade novel, The Adventures of Cricket and Kyle, Imagination Checkers. She's also a speaker and leads women's conferences and Bible studies, and she's a monthly contributor to Inspire a Fire and a newspaper columnist for Green Publishing. Lots of things she's doing there. You can connect with her at Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Bass, B-A-S-S, Adams, A-D-A-M-S, dot com. And today I get to talk about the wonder. And I'll tell you, I was celebrating my birthday not that long ago. It was so fun. And I was having a birthday lunch with my sister and my parents at one point. It was fun because my sister was born like five days from me. So this was just for for in and of itself, this was just a wonderful time of fun. And we were out to lunch at this place at um, Lake of the Ozarks. And we were at a restaurant that was like on the cliff. So we had these beautiful views out to see the lake. And because we were high up, we could see birds like outside the window and they're just catching the rising air currents. And they're just like soaring right outside the window. And it was so neat. And I'll tell you, I looked up and right outside the window was a bald eagle. It was so beautiful. <laughs> you guys know I love raptors. And it was just, I felt the whole thing was just a gift from God. But even that, just the eagle. And I like, I think I just pointed and dropped my mouth. I'm like, e -e -e eagle. <laughs> you know? And we were just all turn around and look. And there it was. And I have to tell you, that was just a delight. And I felt like it was just a little birthday gift from God to me. And you know what? It says in the Bible in Jeremiah 32, 41, God rejoices in doing us good. Did you guys know that? Like he rejoices in that. So to me, that's a wonder. And we have a wonderful gift for you from Shadia Hrichi, our previous guest, whom we interviewed in our last episode through the end of November, she's giving away one copy a week of a signed copy of her new Bible study, Rahab, Rediscovering the God Who Saves Me. And here's the best news. This giveaway is only for podcast listeners. So go to our podcast notes for the episode with Shadia, click on the link, and possibly win this amazing Bible study. And now, here's the show! Welcome, listeners. Welcome to The Deep with us today. We are excited that you're here, and we're excited that we have a guest today. Yay! I'm going to let Karen introduce her. 
Our guest is Rachel Houck, and she is just a wonderful person. Not only is she a New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author, but she is a phenomenal worship leader. She leads worship at the ACFW conference every year, and boy, she sure knows how to usher us into the presence of the Lord. So for all those reasons, Rachel, we are delighted to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, we love to start our show by asking all of our guests, what does the deep mean to you, Rachel? The deep? Oh, man. It just comes to mind immediately, deep calls to deep. Mm -hmm. So it's just that deeper part of God wanting to know those deeper things and going below the surface, pulling mm -hmm. up treasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that God wants to go deep with us. I mean, we want to go deep with Him, but He wants to go deep with us and reveal right. deep things about Himself to us. Can you guys imagine that? Like the God of the universe wants to not only know us deeply, but reveal deep things about who He is, too. I just... I mean, we could like meditate on that all day, but <laughs> <laughs> but we'll move on. Um, so one of the fun things that we wanted to talk to Rachel about, I mean, she's just been in the business for so long and done so many great things as an author. And so one of the things that she had said uh, in an email, she said, God's after my heart, not my stuff or not an employee. He wants me. So, Rachel, I loved that. And and what I want to know is, like, how did you come to that? I bet that wasn't an overnight <laughs> learning experience. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it's just the whole process of coming into the things that he called me to do. Like, he called me to be a writer. I've always wanted to be a writer Ever since I was a child, I would people would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say, I want to be a writer. <laughs> uh, my father would say to me, Rachel, you're a writer. Be a writer. I studied journalism at Ohio State. Um, didn't want to be a reporter. Yeah. The Lord, you know, sent me to where I live now. I was in the software world for a while. Anyway, when I, Christian fiction was big in the early 90s, and I started writing, and but it, it was disappointment, you know, the rejections. <laughs> we were talking about that before the show rejections and things like that were coming up, you know, meeting people, just waiting for the right doors to open, ending, uh, writing full time and then being back in the corporate world, just all of that journey. And all along, the Lord was dealing with things in my heart. And I remember when I first got my first um, contract with Thomas Nelson, who at the time was my dream publisher. Wow. Um, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what if I can't do it? What if I can't do it? And I was driving down the road and I just, the Holy Spirit said to me, okay, you just keep saying you can't and don't be surprised when you fail. Right. So, so that's when it began, getting at those deeper issues and what comes out of my mouth and what I believe and and how I processed even writing stories and just, you know, laying on the floor, trying to come up with an idea, weeping before the Lord. I had so many tears in those early days, like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and not feeling good enough. I mean, you know how publishing works. Do you, maybe you get promoted, maybe you don't. Right. And and right. out of the gate, pouring my heart into a story, but ended up not really being, you know, on the front of the promotional list. Right. For, for the reasons that, you know, business, that's when the business kicks in. And and the Lord just leading me through that. And it's like, you know, you're writing for different reasons than I've called you to write, Rachel. And so oh, yes. it, was journey, it was book after book, but he, you know, technically after my first couple of books with Thomas Nelson, I should have been gone. Um, just didn't have the numbers. It was, mm -hmm. and uh, that's when they came to me and said, hey, would you write with country singer Sarah Evans? And I said, sure. 
And I'd already had a moment with the Lord where I said, look, I got nothing. I don't have kids. I don't have a career. They could call me today and tell me, don't turn in the book you're writing, which is Love Starts With L. Um, I could go anywhere. Tony can eat cereal and he can wear wrinkled shorts. I don't care. <laughs> and so not, that came to me a few months after that and said, uh, will you write with Sarah Evans? And I just knew. I said, yes, absolutely. Three of the easiest books I ever wrote, you know, as far as just the grace that was on me. To, not only did I have to write a book for my publisher, I had to write a book for this country singer. And so... <laughs> We paired together, of course, for the idea of the series, but, you know, I was the one doing the, the finger work. And um, after that was the wedding dress, which changed everything. Mm -hmm. So it was doing what he called me to do and, and sticking with it, even when it didn't look like I was being successful in, in the world standards. It's interesting, Aaron and I, before we do any of our meetings or we do any of the podcasts, we read from uh, Streams in the Desert, the devotional for the day. This was the verse that we read this morning. It's Genesis 15, 13 through 14, and it's so perfect for anyone going into publishing. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be mistreated for 100 years. But afterward... They will come out with great possessions. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> you Not quite some, and, and it goes on to say, I can be sure that part of God's promised blessing to me is delay and suffering. <laughs> Welcome to publishing. Welcome to publishing. I remember saying that at one ACFW conference when I was in the middle of leading worship before or after, and I said, if you don't plug into Jesus, this industry will kill you. That's exactly right. And so... But, you know, I love Genesis 15, 1, where God says to Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. Yes. And so really that's where it all starts, that the journey of life, no matter what you're doing, publishing, editing, writing, mixing cement, raising kids at home, is about coming up from the wilderness, leaning on your beloved. It's about being conformed into the image of Christ, which is Romans Eight, and I know the verse because I memorized it, uh, but I can't pull it out of out of my secession. And you guys don't want me to quote the whole thing. But he says <laughs> that Jesus, uh, Paul writes that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. He said that we are conformed, that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. So we're conformed to him because he's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so how do you conform me to him? By, Suffering, by, pain, death, but, resurrection. By the, <laughs> by the life that I lead, right. By the good, the bad, the valleys, the mountains, yeah. Right, right. And it's, it's in those difficult places that we put our roots deep into who Jesus is, because it's only when we do that that we can withstand the storms. We moved to Washington a little over a year ago, not knowing much about this community to which we moved. It's Gold Bar, Washington. Little did I know that Half of the year, they call it blow bar because <laughs> the winds are just channeled wow. by the Cascade Mountains. We're at the foot of the Cascade Mountains. So it's beautiful. The wind is just channeled past us. And I look out in my backyard sometimes and I just wait for that music. You know that music. Me, 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 me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where's the little gal? We sort of all room. <laughs> yeah. We got wow, and we got a weather station so that we could see how strong the winds are that are blowing through. The only way you survive that is having your roots so deep into the Lord that nothing can rip you out. Nothing can destroy you. Yeah, I think that, too, the suffering 
Nobody wants to suffer, okay? We don't. But suffering gets our attention, I think. Suffering draws us to what's really important, and it makes us think about, well, you know, was that review really important? Or, you know, (laughs) was it more important what God thinks about my effort here? Or, you know, is selling 200 books really important? Or is that one person whose life may be forever changed? Is that what's important? Mm -hmm. And so it's awful. Nobody loves it. But yet we can't learn anything without it. It's, why did God do that? (laughs) Don't you wonder, like, why is that the plan overall? I don't know that I have a good answer to that. So uh, this past summer, my older brother had his esophagus ruptured. Oh. And we were were all on our way to the family, annual family gathering in Eastern Tennessee. He was airlifted from Tallahassee to Jacksonville for emergency Mm. surgery. I mean, he almost died. So... Uh, my husband and I were headed up. We had just gone through Jacksonville when he called and said he was taking himself to the, he's not married, he's a bachelor, taking himself to the emergency room. So we ended up turning around and going back down to be with him in Jacksonville. Um, he, he was under the time that we were there. So he's in the hospital for five weeks and he was never mm-hmm. alone. The family rotated in and out, family and friends rotated in, in and out to be with him. But when I was there with him and my sister came down to be with us as well, I asked that question a lot. What is the suffering? And of course, he was the one really doing the suffering, but we were there with him. And I'm telling you guys, it makes me cry just talking about it. The nearness of God was tangible. Hmm. So one day I was sitting next to him and I was just praying um, and he had tennis on the TV and we were just being with him in the room. And Mm -hmm. I, I started singing... Hallelujah, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And I said, come Lord Jesus. And boom, he was in the room. Wow. And I, I just lost it. And I remember he was standing at my brother's feet and he said, it won't be long. And I knew it wasn't death. I knew it was, was healing. And he said that to me about my grandmother and she died a week later, but she was 102 <laughs> going on 103. <laughs> so she wanted to go, but, and I knew, and there was several other moments it just, I almost miss it. I don't, I don't want him to be in hospital, but the nearness of God in that moment. And, and I can't tell you that there's a formula to touch God in the midst of suffering, mm-hmm. except that just keep going to him, keep going to him, keep going to him. Um, and the beauty was the Lord even set up my brother for this. He just had, he, he told me one day, he said, I think I dreamed this before it happened. And mm-hmm. one day, he was riding his bike and he was just kind of singing to the Lord in his garage. And this is not a sing to the Lord kind of guy. He doesn't go to church every <laughs> week. This is, I mean, you could have knocked me out of my chair when he was telling me this. He kind of said, I was singing in the spirit, listening to a jazz song. And he said the most incredible piece hmm. fell over him and in his eyes and he teared up and he was tearing up telling me the story. And he says to God, like, hey, come on, you know, I like this emotional stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But the Lord and his kindness prepared him. And so I think that, you know, Aaron, coming out of that, your question, I don't get it. And I remember walking down the hospital hall, weeping. I had to hide behind a a post, just weeping and saying, God, I don't understand suffering. Yeah. But I feel you so near. 
I almost welcome it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Don and I um, went through so much in our lives, in our relationship, in, in just everything. And we came to the place where our mantra, if you will, and I've said this before on the podcast, became God is in control. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I may not like it, but God is in control. Yeah. And it's it's that sense of whatever it is, whether it's suffering or whether it's great success, whether it's utter failure. And I've been in both places, great success and utter failure in all of it. It's knowing that God is present and God is at work. And his work isn't to make me a success. His work is to make me a reflection of a loving Lord to a lost and hurting world. That's that's the work that he is doing in me. And if if whatever I write or publish or whatever, the podcasts, if they are a part of that, that's because of his purposes and his will. Everything else doesn't matter. I just need to rest in him and say, okay, where do you want to take us today? Mm-hmm. 100%. Absolutely. And I like, too, that suffering is very much part of the human experience. And in many ways, this was Job's question to God, you know, are you really running the universe right? Because there's suffering happening. And God's like, hey, I I can, I'm God, you know, you can't, you can't question that, even though we might want to. But that suffering, I think, brings out in many ways, our compassion and our humanity. Mm. It's something that we have in common with with everybody all over the world. But I also think it's so interesting that at the end of of time, when the new heavens and the new earth are here and we are in God's presence, I mean, no more suffering. That's just like, what a contrast that will be. And how, how can we even imagine that? But it's like, okay, you know, here they're suffering. There, there isn't. I just, it's just something to, to just dwell upon and try to, try to look forward to it and try to understand it. And we never will. So there you go. I'll just, I'll just stop there. Yeah, I think that, uh, that, that is Romans 8, 18 says, you know, Paul writes that I can't, it's not, we can't imagine that this present suffering, what's coming. Yeah. There's, we can't compare it to the glory that will be revealed in us. But if we share in his suffering, we will also share in his glory. Right, right. And so it, I think the existential question, if God is good, why is there evil? And I, and I really think that's what this earthly journey is all about, is eradicating evil. Hmm. Yeah. And, and he allowed it because it's the opposite of good. You know, he's so good, he could allow evil to exist. And so as he, in the end of the age, he's going to eradicate it. So, you know, whatever your end-time eschatology is, <laughs> the one day it's going to be gone. And, and try to think, and forever, we're going to live in the light of his glory we're, forever. We're, we're going to, I can't even imagine, like, what am I going to be doing a thousand years from now? Right. You know, and, and you still have this concept of, okay, well, but when I die, You'll know you will never die again. Right. And so you just can't even imagine that. You almost go, man, I'm, I'm going to get bored. <laughs> well, living forever. But you, yeah, won't, I don't you won't think so. I don't think yeah, so. I, I know, think right? We won't. We'll spend the first millennia just talking to the animals. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
But the thing that I, I look at when we talk about suffering and the thing that it, it constantly brings me back to, especially in light of being a writer and, and how we feel as though things just aren't happening the way we thought they would. And this journey isn't what we thought it would be, or it's so much better than we thought it would be. And then something happens, some hiccup in the road. And, and we let ourselves go to that place of, I lost my faith in God, or mm -hmm. this happened and I started doubting God's goodness, or, you know, if, if God was loving, then why? Yeah. And, you know, I look at Isaiah 45, five through six, I am the Lord. <laughs> Guys, listen to that. I am the Lord, and there is no other apart from me. There is no other. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. God is God. And who are we that he takes notice of us? And yet we have the gall to say things like, I lost my faith because then you didn't have those deep roots in your faith. Right. You weren't submitted to the fact that God is God. And you are created to honor him and glorify him no matter what. Even if you're walking across the water and then you start to sink, you are there. Whether you drown or whether you survive or he lifts you up out of the waves, you belong to God and he is the one who is in control, not you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of those things, when we get sidetracked, it's just a distraction. It's I, a distraction to what we're supposed to be doing. And that's pointing to God's glory. And as writers, that that's our job. And we, we have talked about suffering and we've talked about a future glory. But at the same time, that's why what we do now matters. That's why every word we write matters, because right. it's it, it's important to be telling people what's you know what's going on here right know, and what's what's to come and we have such an important job i was talking with a friend this morning about dante's inferno of all things <laughs> he was a, a hospice nurse and so she'd been there uh with people on about to die and and she'd seen some knew they were being carried away by angels and some were dying in agony, you know, mm -hmm. literally being car carted off to, mm -hmm. to hell. And so um, he said that Dante's Inferno really brought hell into a reality with her. And I was saying the hard part about Dante's Inferno is he didn't, sh he didn't give the answer. You right. don't want to go right. here. So where am I going? Right. Well, here's yeah. how you get to heaven. You know, he didn't, uh, that's not the rest of the story, but that is the rest of the story. And and I think we show flawed characters and people who are really struggling with right. life. And in that, somehow there's the revelation of Jesus. I mean, that's how I approach writing a story is everyone's going to be messed up and just as flawed as anybody else. But somewhere along the way, they encounter the one who has the answers. Yeah. And we need to show the reality that when some people encounter the one who has the answers, they don't like the answers. Yeah, and they walk too. away. And That's they walk true. away, away from the only answer, away from the love. And it needs to break our hearts the way that it breaks Jesus' heart. So yeah. we, we need to be sure that we are authentic in what we're writing about the struggles of the Christian life. This is not an easy gig. 
I mean, let alone as a Christian being called to write into publishing. I mean, it's like double damnation. <laughs> you know, you you find these things that we need to communicate the truth of it and the truth of Him to a world that's lost in darkness. Wow, this has been a great conversation, Rachel. I'm just so delighted with all that we've talked about. And listeners, get excited because there's more coming next time. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.